I'd like to propose a toast. Hello and welcome to Before Brunch. I'm Megan Cassidy. And I'm Cassie Delaney. And we are your weekly celebrity pop culture, arts, social issues podcast. And we go live every Sunday morning at around 11 o'clock, just before you go to brunch and we chat about all the things that you might chat about at brunch mm-hmm. um yeah so there is one big thing that people are talking about this week that we are um that we're going to talk about and before we get into the conversation we want to preface it with a few things so firstly a lot of people contacted us asking to talk about this <coughs> because it's in it's in line with a lot of the stuff that we've talked about before um when Megan and I started before brunch, we did so with the intention of having a platform that we could um, break down conversations and hash out the issues that affected women in Ireland today. Um, and so while we're going to talk about the the kind of sentiment surrounding the Belfast rape trial, it's important to know that we don't have the answers. We mm. don't have any definitive um you know answers to anything that went on and we don't have as we don't have viewpoints on whether these guys were guilty or not because we weren't part of the court and we weren't there so we're not going to talk about the specifics of the trial we're going to talk about consent as a whole yeah and i think that's what's really important is that this is all about unpacking and trying to piece things together um that's what conversation is for is to try and figure things out sometimes you get to a resolution sometimes me and cassie by the end of a podcast will have settled on something that is almost an answer and then a lot of the times we won't and i think certainly in this case we will not have the answers if we did uh, we'd be able to change the world. Um, consent is one of the trickiest issues and the biggest issues, uh, one of the biggest social issues of our time. Um, and if anything positive has come from what's happened, it's that this conversation is to the forefront of people's minds and people are more aware that consent is an issue and are thinking a little bit harder about what consent means what's yes and what's no the rally yesterday was incredibly powerful no matter what you believe or know of the court case um i had goosebumps and tears in my eyes just seeing all those women come together um and unite their voices and Everyone who took the stage, took the platform to speak, spoke so powerfully and articulately. It was as if they were touched by some sort of a mm-hmm. muse or something. Yeah. It, was, it was amazing. Um, so no matter what you feel about the I Believe Her hashtag or campaign, um, this is, it's a good moment for, for, for women's voices, I think. We're, we're yeah. making sure that we're heard. Yeah, I mean, let's start there and talk about the I Believe Her campaign, because obviously this has been quite a contentious thing that started trending um, after the verdict was announced, was a lot of people were um, taking to Twitter and social media and saying, I believe her. And I think that this hashtag is one of the most powerful and one of the most important things that we have done as an Irish, like that we could do in Irish society right now. Um, And I think that a lot of people are missing the point with it. It isn't to say we believe that girl specifically well many do and and i'm not going to give my personal opinion on it but while many people do believe her story 
that's uh, like I'm I'm uh, kind of in what I'm hearing that myself say that it sounds like I'm dismissing it. I don't I'm not dismissing it at all. I think a lot of people were tweeting support of that one girl. But I think the vast majority of people were tweeting support for all victims mm-hmm. and all people and saying, I will believe you if something happens to you and you want to come forward and you want to report it. And that's certainly the positive that I'm taking from that hashtag because I've conflicted feelings about it. But one thing that I do really appreciate is that there is a young girl somewhere who feels like she's on her own and seeing that hashtag and seeing all those women come together she she doesn't feel like she's on her own anymore Mm. as daunting as the last few weeks have been for the complainant uh, no matter what I believe that she believes what she's saying um, and it's a perception issue um, and it what has happened over the last few weeks and character assessments and mm-hmm. you know horrific traumatic moments in that trial for the complainant would have very easily turned off any young girl from ever coming forward to report something yeah. that wasn't right and um, so if we do need to remedy that and the hashtag is a, is a remedy hopefully will will go some of the way towards making people feel more comfortable about coming forward if they feel that something is wrong yeah and i think the reason that that hashtag and the rallies yesterday were so so um powerful and so supported was because that realistically the vast majority of women in ireland have some sort of experience or something that resonated with them that this trial was triggering for a lot of people and like it just brought out something and the reason that so many people can stand by her and say that I believe her is because it is believable is because rape is still a credible threat to women in this day and age and it's 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 happening to everyone so it's not specifically about that one person or this one trial it's about rape culture as a whole and what are we going to do about it and how do we fix it and how do we change people and how do we educate people on consent Mm -hmm. and it's about also the victim that her story doesn't end with the verdict um the emily doe case in the states uh was it maybe two years ago um brock turner was convicted of rape and got six months in prison um and it was a lot more cut and dry she was unconscious behind a bin and he had sex with her while she was unconscious and he was chased down by two witnesses uh, who were so disturbed by what they'd seen that they could hardly relay the story Um, and the judge didn't want to ruin Brock Turner's future he was a a champion swimmer um, a great athlete and all of these facts were brought up um, as part of his character assessment which unfortunately in that case it was different because there was witnesses but often in a rape case there's one person's word against another person's word uh, and all we have to go on is character assessments and that's where the system is inherently flawed because Mm -hmm. why would you ever report a rape knowing that your character is going to be broken down um, and they will wonder oh well this type of behaviour is conducive to rape Mm -hmm. and then you're blamed But the Brock Turner case, what Emily Doe had said at the time, and she released an amazing statement after the trial, but she had said that one comment that particularly stuck with her was a guy had said, this is so sad, I really hope my daughter never ends up like her. And for Emily Doe, it was the word ends up 
in that she felt that this story was the end of her story that mm-hmm. now going forward she was the girl who got raped yeah. and he will move on and be, go back to being a swimmer after his six months because the judge is protecting his future mm-hmm. um, and then here again Paddy Jackson and Stuart Olding will go forward and they've signed with new clubs in England or whatever um, and there is an impression that but this girl will always be the girl from that trial mm-hmm. whereas the guys won't be yeah. touched yeah. in that way and that's like it's 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 really it's really terrifying like there's a couple of things that I want to someone someone asked me do you think it's fair that they play rugby again that they go on and they represent Ireland and I don't think it is. I no. don't think they should be. I don't think they should. Because I don't think they're a good representation of this country. And I think regardless of um, the verdict, the way they spoke about women in those WhatsApp messages mm-hmm. and the way that they were so incredibly disrespectful to all women um, is just testament to the fact that I just think that that, that, that shouldn't be that shouldn't be celebrated. They shouldn't be part of a, an institution that is supposed to represent the best of the best in this country because yeah. they're not. Well, when you're a rugby player of that stature, you are a role model. Yeah. And there are certain behavioral things that you sign on to. Um, I know that there, there are actually contracts that dictate how you behave as a role model and as someone who's representing the IRFU. And certainly that that's not it. And if anything, this has been, it really bl- has blown open a a dark side of rugby culture, mm-hmm. um, a misogyny and a flippant attitude maybe towards women and sex um, that no matter what way you look at it is harmful. Yeah. Um, sp- particularly in those texts, uh, it's damaging and it's harmful and there's no doubt that that needs to change and hopefully it will. Um, but consent is still very, very difficult. Consent is very difficult. And I think this is at the heart of the... Um, this is the reason why the conviction wasn't... There wasn't another conviction. We don't have a consistent understanding in this country of what consent is and what rape is, okay? There are a lot of very loaded comments coming out from this trial and a lot of loaded statements. Things like, oh, she fancied him and she looked like she was after him and it looked like she wanted to approach him or whatever. And the implication there is that if you fancy someone, your the sheer act of having a crush on someone is consenting, which it isn't, of course. Um, So let's break it down. Let's really talk about what how we feel about consent and what is what is um what I think would help people going forward I think you can um I think you can as a girl go out and wear whatever you want drink as much as you want and you can consent to kissing whatever and at any time at any point in the night you can withdraw your consent absolutely of course but we do have to acknowledge that if we're all confused about what consent looks like it's not easy to unpack it's not always easy to see what consent is or or if someone's consenting so we do have to acknowledge that and that's what I really really struggle with and yeah. I don't know do you remember the Aziz Ansari story from a few months back yeah. 
and she had pursued him and admits that she had asked him on the date and then they had he had t- said no and then she asked him again and he said yes and they went on the date and he was rude at dinner and she went home with him and he was trying to have sex with her and she said oh I don't have sex on the first date and he said if I pour you a glass of wine is that the second date um, and she obviously felt that this was really inappropriate and kind of came out and really did damage his character it was yeah. a character assassination um but here's what's tricky for me we've grown up in Ireland being told girls can't have sex on the first date mm. um and it's bad and it's wrong and our relationship with sex is massively flawed mm. and we've chatted about that before yeah. we have a really weird relationship with sex in Ireland as women so we're told say no say no say no you should never say yes straight away yeah and unfortunately sometimes people say no and they're going to have sex and they want to but they're saying no okay so no and they're saying no because they've been told you should say no you should not be seen to be very readily readily available to have sex yeah okay I think this one is such a careful thing to talk about because Um, yes, people will be like, oh no. And then there's other cues that are indicating that they're saying yes. So, you know, there is no behavior there that you can, can you can attribute to someone who's being raped. And this is something that came up a lot in the trial was that, oh, she didn't scream. The girl who came into the room said she didn't look like she was being raped. She didn't cry out. There was middle class girls downstairs. Why didn't she cry out? Sure, they wouldn't stand for rape. All these horrendous comments. There is no behavior there that... There, it, there is no standardized rape victim. There is no tick box procedure where you can process. You can look at someone and be like, oh, yes, you know, they're being raped or whatever. Um, There are body language cues that indicate that you want to have sex with someone. Like if you're you can be having a conversation and be doing something else entirely. But as, but as long as you're willingly and engaging with it and doing it and that you're you're pursuing some of the actions as well you know that it's mutual you you can tell that and you know that yourself and people know that in situations or whatever Um, I think the problem with this is that when we're talking about when we're talking about bodily um, body language there's a such a large Mar- like room for error there's such a such a margin of error there that can occur mm-hmm. and I think this is what has happened because you know those lads said I assume she wanted it or she didn't scream or whatever. Like, it's disgusting. You can't say because someone didn't scream doesn't mean that they wanted it. But they misread body language. A few people misread her body language in the situation. So, I, from my perspective, young boys are growing up with the idea that girls will always say no or they, they're not easy they shouldn't be easy um, and a girl that you want to be with won't be easy and she'll she'll say no the first few times she won't have sex on the first date and there is that double standard and like I've spoken to lads themselves who will all have sex on the first date and still say oh if a girl had sex with me on the first date I probably wouldn't get back in touch with her um, which is a horrific double standard but they grow up get with this learned behavior that she'll say no and there's phrases like oh I cracked her or you know I finally got got her into bed last night or whatever and that's sort of a culture that that aspect needs to change um, and that's education and making women feel 
empowered and making sure that this doesn't turn into oh sex is a really bad thing and if you do want to have a threesome it's really bad and and you should be ashamed we we have such a weird relationship with sex that we that's where some of the cracks I think start to show so if we can there's yeah there's so many issues here really because we have such an unhealthy attitude towards sex and sexual empowerment completely and utterly like it's it's just kind of you get your sex ed when you're 12 and that's it boxed off and that doesn't include any sort of real descriptions on you know um intersex relationships all different things or whatever so it's just you get your very very quick talking to when you're when you're young in primary school then we don't so there there because consent the, the whole issue of consent has been on it has been a conversation topic for a couple of years now especially after the likes of asking for it people have debated this on and off again and it's like well if she consented to this doesn't mean she's consenting to that if she's gone this far along surely she's going to that if her body language said this maybe she meant that if she didn't say no specifically she was consenting if she didn't scream she was consenting and then a lot of people now are like, oh, consent, consent is this big, massive elephant in the room that, you know, you need to get. And people are making jokes like, oh, do you have to sign a waiver before you go into the room? No, you don't. Consent is as simple as saying, is this OK? Mm-hmm. Can I do this? Can I, you know, do you mind? Are you still OK with this? Small little sentences. It doesn't yeah. have to be. Do you consent to me having sex with you? Do you consent to this act? But just checking in and saying, are you sure you want to do this? Is this all right? Is this fine? Can I do it this way? Can I try this? Whatever. These small little, little, um, you know, li- little. Just showing that you're aware. Yeah, yeah. Showing that you're aware and checking in. and Respect. Not, and not going on with the process and not going 100% through the process without asking any of those questions or without stopping to think and just assuming all the way through that everything you're doing is fine. I think just. There's this, I think there's this whole notion that getting consent would ruin the moment that you're, you know, you're passionately making out with someone and you go into a room and you don't want to stop. You just want to keep going and it's passionate or whatever. But I'd rather see someone fucking ruin the moment than ruin a life like, you know, yeah, 100 percent. And like it is that simple and it's respect and awareness and and feeling what the other person is feeling or trying to feel what they're feeling. But it ends up coming down to nitty gritty factors such as in that Brock Turner case, there was a massive argument over whether she was behind the bin or adjacent to the bin. Because if she was behind the bin, then it definitely wasn't consensual. But if she was beside the bin, maybe that was more consensual. So as if location specifics could indicate whether a situation was consensual or not. And those are the things we are forced to resort to when we're trying to unpick whether someone gave consent or not yeah and this is the thing is it up to us can it be determined by a jury whether someone gave consent or not i don't think it can and there were so many assumptions and this is this is the thing really when you think about this trial it wasn't those lads on trial what was on trial was the word rape nobody can deny that something happened there was you know there was sexual activity in that room that occurred between three people what people are questioning is whether that what happened there is rape or not and it's like how we we're trying too hard and putting it to a jury and putting it to a court to determine whether it the fact that she had lacerations and bruises and injuries 
does that constitute as rape? And they decided at the end of the day, no, it doesn't. And they had, they had, I don't want to, I actually, I'm going to get upset talking about it because there was evidence there that suggested that something untoward happened. That's all I'll say about it. But not enough with to, to, to prosecute without room for doubt. Mm. I mean, we're never going to get to the bottom of this, but I do hope that somewhere in a room in the near future, a lad will think twice. And that's a positive. Yeah, what I think is a really positive, I've got two younger brothers. Um, one's 24 and one's 21. And um, I wrote a piece for them before about consent, about kind of saying, look, I've never actually spoken to you guys about this. I acknowledge the culture that you are growing up in. I acknowledge that 90% of music has violent sexual references to women i acknowledge that people and um that that women are are there's just this massive kind of culture of pornification where like everything is sexual even there's a story there this morning about um a nickelodeon producer has been has ceased working with nickelodeon because he's been sexualizing too many of the programs and then you, there was like screenshots and stuff and you're like yeah this is this is a far cry from the powerpuff girls you know <laughs> um so you grow up in a world and look at look at the likes of Geordie Shore where the whole premise of that is that lads go out get drunk pick up girls bang them bring them back to the shag pad <laughs> like the whole goal of that entire series which is now in its what like 10th year or mm-hmm. something is to get women bring them back bang them get them out like the shag pad all that kind of language and that culture is what my brothers have grown up in so and again they reinforce the idea on that show that some girls have sex easily and some don't and that that is directly equatable to their moral values and this the you're a top tier girl if you don't have sex straight away yeah but i think the underlining premise and the underlining thing was that ultimately all girls do want to have sex and they will eventually have sex with you and even you the have ones to crack them and even the ones who said at this like the, the I mean the cast members who were like I don't want to have sex inevitably did and it was seen as somewhat like oh it was romantic I waited or what he did this or whatever and blah 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 and like we also grew up with films where in in the majority vast majority of romantic comedies you might have a guy who is you know you have that kind of chauvinistic um guy like the the what's that film the hitch oh these kind of characters right where they're really popular with women they go out they've no problem pulling and then all of a sudden or like um uh in crazy stupid love ryan gosling's character right that these men can go out they can pull women all the time and then they one day find a woman who's not impressed with their charm and sophistication and she's a little bit left of center and she's just not bought into this whole idea of a chauvinistic guy but with enough persistence he eventually breaks her down and they live happily ever after or he constantly follows her he meets her outside her office he's got a coffee waiting out there like we've grown up in a culture that it's told lads you're top lad if you get if you can shag as many women as possible persistence is key really because if you just don't leave her alone and buy her a coffee or do whatever she will crack down eventually and then all of our music is just so there's just this massive kind of trend of pornification in music um so it's no real surprise to me that young boys are struggling with the idea of consent or genuinely don't think about it no you have to have active conversations with them and i did talk to my brothers about it and i said look 
if you're ever I don't know what it's like when you go out for you I don't know how many women approach you but if you're ever in a, in a situation where you feel like she could be more sober or you know this it's it just you're just kind don't. of going to just yeah. don't do it like yeah. and just don't do it take her phone number take her home you know take her home back to her house have a cup of tea just if I just think that it's not killing the moment it's not prudish to say if you're out and you're drunk and you're whatever and for your own self as well mm-hmm. to just take a step back sometimes and consider it yeah I think that's so true about the how immersed that message is in pop culture around the girl who's the one is the one who doesn't give it up easily and I, I always remember when I was young um the story of when Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt first got together and she made him wait three months to have sex and it was this massive story and it was headlines everywhere and it really hit home with me as I was probably 12 and it was a really strong message to me that you have to make a man wait and that's when you're really really valuable and that is a damaging message because then we feel conflicted and we give mixed messages because we don't want to be seen as someone who'd have sex easily Um, and that we really need to work on that and make sure that we're all very clear about the fact that there's nothing wrong with flirting with someone in a bar wanting to have sex and then deciding not to. Yeah. It's just about being more transparent with ourselves as well about yeah. how we feel and I mean, yeah, how often do we see it portrayed in film or media or whatever that there's the girl and the guy and they're she's making him wait and they're in bed and they're getting a bit you know, it's getting a bit heated and she pulls away and she says no and he's left with blue balls and he's like, Oh, head yeah. in the head in the pillow kind of thing. But or else oh my she God, finally you're so gives endearing. In. Yeah. Yeah. It's so endearing because you're wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um that confuses so people. That confuses people. So if a guy is going to be in a similar situation and there there is, or if a girl is in a similar situation where it's getting heated, you can still withdraw consent. But I think that the, I think the culture we live in tells guys to push through and you can get her. You'll get her. Like, just keep chipping away. But that's fucking rape. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's it, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. That Look, is, and that in a nutshell is, like, it's almost, it's just, it's just, I think it's just a little spark in my head just went off. I was like, that is rape culture. That is, that mm. is why we are where we are. And I think that the reason that a lot of men are struggling with the idea of, I believe her and rape culture and saying that rape culture doesn't exist is because I think they genuinely don't realize that it exists. It's education and it's just making people aware because they have been oblivious to this. Um, a lot of men have and not obviously not all men but some of the comments yesterday uh, on Facebook and on Twitter were completely disgusting and yeah. uh, a big insight into where we're at and we have such a long way to go but this conversation has helped me a little bit. I'm still completely confused like we'll never get to the bottom of consent we'll never find the answer we'll never find i think people will have their own definitions of consent and they'll be and they will live their lives by that and that is fine and what i want is for any guys out there who are reading this or men to go out and develop their own sense of consent Mm. but what the problem the problem is that we will never have a legal definition and 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 a and a proof and everyone's sense of consent has to be the same in order for this to work. Because yeah, if we have differing perceptions of what consent means, then that is inherently the problem. Yeah, but that that but that's the thing. We, yeah, we, we, we will can't. like we yeah. can't we can't 
because there, there won't be something that everyone agrees on and then if we try and legislate it or we try and have like this you know this conceived notion of consent then anything outside the parameter of that will be even harder yeah. to to prosecute or whatever yeah like we definitely just have to accept it'll never be black and white and that's there's such a spectrum of variables in a case like this um in cases like this where you know what's rough sex for one woman might be normal for another or you know vanilla for another there's a spectrum of behaviors and what's okay for one person isn't okay for another and we just have to be cognizant of that yeah um but conversations are important and discussions and i'm glad that like lads like your brother are it's in their consciousness yeah whereas 10 years ago it, it wouldn't just have wasn't been. no it just wasn't okay let's raise the tone we have one mystery to unpack um who bit beyonce okay you're gonna have to give me some i'm background. gonna tell you the whole story so Tiffany Haddish, um, girl trip actress, is good mates with Beyonce and has been sort of breadcrumbing this story for a little while. She said a little something about it in February, hinted that an actress may have bit Beyonce at a party, at an after party for with Jay-Z. Um, and then in GQ last week, she fully like went for it and she was said, uh, gave the whole story so they were at this after party after one of Jay-Z's shows and an actress bit Beyonce in the face uh Beyonce was not party to like she was not complicit she was bitten unbeknownst like they weren't no playfully no she bit her she wasn't happy about it and she was all we know is that Tiffany had then said right I am going to beat the shit out of this actress who's bitten you in the face and Beyonce said to Tiffany um oh no she's on drugs don't don't worry she doesn't usually behave like this she's on drugs um it's fine so there have been numerous suspects okay Lena Dunham is one Gwyneth Paltrow is a suspect? No, I don't think Gwyneth it's not Paltrow Gwyneth. does drugs. Chrissy Teigen, um, Sarah Michelle Gellar tried to make herself a suspect in probably the biggest desperado move I've seen this oh year. Oh my god! Um, yeah, she put up an Instagram post and really tried to get herself into the story, like shoehorned herself in, and everyone's like, "No, no one really thinks it was you." So there was obviously photographs of people leaving the party, so everyone that left the party was on the suspect list. Okay, but what I love about this story is it just the mystery of Beyonce is just everlasting like Mm -hmm. it's another Becky situation remember who's Becky uh, after Lemonade and we did we we, we, we found that out didn't we uh Rachel Roy is the number one suspect but it's not definitive and and it's so funny because these things start around Beyonce she never speaks about them she never addresses it herself never does an interview okay right let's everyone else talk okay let's who are your top suspects so there is a I don't I can't pronounce her name and I'd never heard of her before but I think it's Sansa Larcher or something um she's an actress and she's been friends with Beyonce for years and the evidence stacks up in that so apparently Beyonce has this bodyguard Julius who doesn't let anyone near her of course not she's even like even Mariah Carey so apparently she was in a restaurant one night and Julius is standing behind her at a pillar and Mariah Carey approaches Beyonce with her entourage and 
Julius was like looking them up and down and really not okay with them being around Beyonce and that's Mariah Carey. So we're at this party and Julius is there. Whoever is getting close enough to Beyonce to bite to be her, a long-term pal. She's a long-term pal. So this woman, Sana, I'm not sure how you pronounce that, but she, according to TMZ, it was her, but it wasn't an invasive bite. That's, I'm thinking there really isn't such thing as a bite that's not invasive. I mean, if you've got your teeth on someone's face, you're invading. Who is this lady? She's an actress, but she's been friends with Beyonce for years and years and years. So that would stack up that Beyonce could say, oh, she's not always like this. So she's known her for a while. She's in the inner circle. She wasn't kicked out of the party after this happened because she's still there at the end of the party for another scene with Tiffany. Apparently she told Tiffany Haddish to stop dancing or something um, a while later. So it's quite telling that she wasn't kicked out of the party. But I'm just marvelling. I just want to know how Beyonce feels about all this. And I'm thinking she's not annoyed about it. I think she loves this air of mystery. And the conversations just spiral when she doesn't speak. Yeah. She must just sit at home and be like, look at all these dumb titty bitches (laughs) reading all this stuff about me, coming up with their things. There is an NME article on the list of suspects right there. You know, there's, I just Googled Beyonce bite and got a rake of things. And she's probably sitting there delighted, just being like, what will they come up with next? She doesn't have to do any of her own PR. Other people always do it for her. Although Lemonade was a stroke of genius. Um, the Becky nugget that she just dropped in there and sparked conversations that went on for months and months and months. But I do believe that Beyonce genuinely does these things because she is an incredible songwriter and she is one of the very few artists that we have that I think actually genuinely represents their life in their music. Yeah, she really does let her her real life inform her art. Um, I'm over her and Jay-Z, I have to say. Bored of it. I don't oh, want to see it anymore. Way bored of it. Um, so I'm not a massive Beyonce fan. I don't uh, follow her. We have her, but spoken about this before. Yeah, I do admire this this particular brand of PR. I just love it. Everyone's talking about it. She's We're never going to comment. obsessed with Beyonce. Like She's like superstardom level. Oh, she's the one, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, we will never know who bit Beyonce. There's an NDA. Um, it's a great hashtag. Who bit Beyonce? So now we've the Beckys and the Biters. The who Beckys are they? And the Biters. Yeah. We'll never know. Um, I hope that someday there is some sort of like tell-all book, or better yet, a documentary about Beyonce's life, and we'll learn everything that we need to know. Then she will never ever do that. But like even just right before she dies, even though she probably actually Beyonce is never going to die. No, she's what's the word? Immortal. Right. On that note, let's go. Let's get food. Let's let's live our lives. Um, Happy Easter, everyone. Hope everyone has lots of chocolate and enjoy your brunch if you're going to brunch today Um, and certainly enjoy your long weekend, too. Yeah, and do reach out and contact us if you want to talk about anything, the things that we've talked about. We'll probably come back to this topic again, I'd imagine. Because um, like we said, it's all about hashing things out. Uh, we're on Twitter. At Megan M. Cassidy, at Cassie Lorraine, at Love in Dublin or at lovin.ie. So that's lovin.ie, L-O-V-I-N-D-O-T-I-E. And we're on Instagram. Um, you'll find us. Great. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye.